Hey, and welcome to the 12 Stone Church Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. And so... Welcome to 12 Stone here at the Central Campus Live. Welcome to 12 Stone Home. Maybe you're in the barn in Bethlehem again. I saw y'all decorated for Christmas. Well done. Maybe you're across the state, across the country, across the world, at, at one of our campuses across this territory. Welcome to 12 Stone. We're so glad that you're with us on this great turkey week. How many of y'all are excited to overeat this week? Anybody curious? In the name of Jesus, it is not sin for the next seven days. So knock yourself out. 2020 has been rough. You deserve it. Well, we're glad that you're with us. You're, you're, you're jumping in in the middle of a series on the book of Ephesians. And we're walking through this, this book sort of verse by verse. And if you remember, we talked about the fact that the first three chapters of Ephesians are the theology that's poured underneath all this stuff that we believe about Jesus. Where does our salvation come from? The songs we just sung. The theology for those songs are found in the first three chapters of Ephesians, that our victory is found in Jesus. Then Paul, the author of the book of Ephesians, sort of turns the corner, and the second three chapters of the book of Ephesians is about how we should live. Like, if this Jesus stuff is real, how then should we live our life in the most practical arenas of our life? And so today, we're in chapter 5, verses 15 to 20, and again, Paul's going to get up in our business. He's going to talk about very practical things inside of our life. So I want to read the whole passage together, uh, sort of as a church family here at home at the campuses. Here's the, here's the passage we're going to sit inside of today. Here's what Paul says. Be very careful then how you live. He's getting in your business immediately. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. We'll come back to that. Because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to, that word spells, debauchery. Do not get drunk on wine, it leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord always, giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's, that's the passage we sit inside of today. And here's, here's the assertion that Paul seems to be making. There are ways that you can live that are wise and unwise. And I think we all sort of like intuitively get that thought. Like there's, you can live wise or unwise. You can, you can drive fast and not wear a seatbelt. Unwise. You can wear a seatbelt and drive responsibly. Well, we get that. But Paul seems to be connecting the thought of wisdom with making the most of every opportunity. It's like he's connecting. There are, there are ways to spend your time that are wise and unwise. He wants to make the most of every opportunity, every moment that God gives us. So today, we're going to be sort of sitting inside of the concept of, of time. And I want to give us a picture for that. How many of y'all know what this is? Hourglass. If you're under the age of... of 120, uh, you, you don't really need these anymore. However, back in the day before Apple watches and phones and digital clocks, this is how you would keep time. There'd be sand in the top and you'd flip it and there was just enough grains of sand that at the end of the hour, the last grain of sand would fall. It's how you sort of kept time back in the day. Side note, I, I can't see an hourglass and not think back to a family memory. My family and I were on vacation at one of our friend's beach houses they let us use. 
If you've ever seen my kids, you usually hear them before you see them, right? They're that kind of crazy group. And so they're a little bit nuts. They're a tornado wherever they go. They're a blast to hang with, but they can be crazy. And we're at their house and there was a, there was an hourglass on a shelf and one of the kids by mistake knocked it over and it broke and shattered sand everywhere. And so we swept off the glass and the sand and threw it in the trash. And then we had to make the phone call to our friends and say, listen, we're so sorry. Uh, we hope that hourglass wasn't like super meaningful to you because one of the kids knocked it over and broke it on the ground. And then there's just like a silence on the other end of the, on the, on the phone. She said, that hourglass was filled with the ashes of our grandma. I'm just kidding. It wasn't. It was a $25 Target, Target purchase. But what if it was? That would have been, it would have been terrible, but awesome for a team. It wasn't. It was like this. Just Amazon. We, we, we bought one for 25, 25 bucks. Listen, listen. This is not grandma's ashes. This is Sam. All right. Time is valuable, even if it's not grandma's ashes. That, that's what Paul's saying. Listen, time is incredibly valuable. And let me give us a theological picture. Listen, God does not exist inside of time. You get that? God is eternal. God is timeless. He always was. He always will be. And yet when he created us, he gave us a divine hourglass of time of which we don't know the length. God, God, God. When he created us, he, he created us with time. And when you were born, a timeless God, an eternal God, created us inside of time. Whether it's 20 years, 60 years, 80 years, 100, we don't know. But you were created from an eternal God, and you were created for eternity. When your time on this earth is done, when the last grains of sand in your life drip to the bottom of the hourglass, if you will, you will spend an eternity in timelessness, either in joy with God or sorrow apart from him for all of time. Because once you are created by an eternal God, you will live forever, either with him or apart from him. And so the reality is you have to have a picture bigger than just your hourglass to understand how to spend your time. It's like Paul saying, listen, make, make your decisions in light of eternity. Don't make your decisions just stuck in your little hourglass of time. Make them in light of eternity. See, let me, let me give you a picture for how a lot of us live. This is a sandbox. For kids who are born today, this is what we used to do before we had iPads, okay? Before we had, like, entertainment that was, like, on demand on your phones. This is a sandbox, and it's full of sand. You get that? That's just full of sand. And we were kids, you'd go outside and you'd play in the sandbox. You'd build castles. We used to, my brother and I used to build little roads and drive our matchbox cars. Our neighbor's cat used to think it was a litter box. So we used to have little presents in there every once in a while. It's pretty sweet. Uh, that's a sandbox. That's what it is. And here's what you do. Most of us, when we're born, when we're in our teens, even in our 20s, we look at our life and think, we've got a sandbox full of sand to spend. See, when you're 18, you're not thinking about 401ks. When you're 22, you're not thinking about someday my sand will run out. You sort of treat sand like you've got all of it in the world. You treat time like I've got an unlimited amount of it. And then you turn 30 and your knee starts to be sore the next day after you, after you run. And then you're 50 and you're like, man, my back's sore always. And, and, and then you're 60 and you're like, I only, I only got like five more years left of work until I re retire. Like there's an end to this. You start to realize you don't have an unlimited amount of time. And oftentimes we treat time like we do. But what if you didn't have a sandbox full? What if you had an hourglass full? In fact, the apostle Paul, the author of the book of Ephesians, he has an interesting 
sort of perspective of time because he never knew if he would have a tomorrow. He was beaten. He was imprisoned. He was stoned. Like he, he went to bed every night going, we'll see what happens tomorrow. Paul sort of lived like he had this size hourglass. See, so when Paul speaks about time, we should listen because his perspective of it is so helpful. Paul's saying, listen, your time is incredibly valuable. Listen, don't live as unwise. Live in light of eternity. Live as wise. But time is so tricky. You'll, you'll catch this quick. Time is tricky. Because time is always leaking and it never stops. But we experience time in the shovel full. You think back and you see a picture from 10 years ago and you go, oh my goodness, look at how much the time has passed. You look back at photo albums, you experience it in the shovel full. But listen, if you're taking notes, write this down, it's helpful. Time is not given by the shovel full, it's given in seconds. See, time in an hourglass is just one little piece of sand at a time, not shovelfuls. It's like if the bank called and said, you're missing a dollar from your savings account. You'd be like, it's not worth the gas to drive there to dispute that. We good. The bank called and said, you're missing $10,000. You're in the car before the phone's done, right? Like, I'm there now. Where's my money? But here's what happens. A dollar a day over time starts to add up. So does your time. But unlike money, second thing, if you want to write it down, time can't be held, only spent. See, time, you can't hold on to time. If I try to hold sand in my hand, it slips through my fingers. You can't hold on to time. You can only spend it. And right now you're spending time here at 12 Stone, 12 Stone Home, at the campuses. Thank you for spending, but you're always spending time. You can't hold on to it. You can't bottle it. When it's gone, it's gone. See, time is probably the most valuable thing in the world because you can't save it. You can't get it back. You can't buy more of it. You can't go on eBay and find some used time someone else left to the side. It's gone. It's gone. In fact, it hit me this year. My oldest son turned 13. Luke turned 13 this year. It's like, I have a teenager. And that's just saying that out loud. Like my heart like jumps for a second. I have a teenager. It feels like yesterday he was in diapers. Now he's a teenager. So I started doing the math. Luke, my oldest, has 237 weeks left until he graduates. Lizzie has 289 weeks until she graduates. Lincoln, my youngest, has 498 weeks until he graduates. Luke has 237 more weekends before he's out of my house. And my wife is sitting at the Brazilian campus crying right now, thinking about that. Sorry. See, you start doing the math, and you go, oh my goodness, I have, I have to make the most of every opportunity. So this year when Luke turned 13, we decided we're going to do... Uh, a rite of passage into manhood for him. Like he's 13 now, and it's not like he's five where you smack his hand in. No, I want to call him to something bigger. So I, I wanted to give him like a rite of passage. So here's what I did. I went to Home Depot, and I bought the coolest axe I could find. Like if you're a dude, you sort of get this. Like when you're at Home Depot, you can't justify buying the cool like walking dead axe. You justify just the wooden handle and the metal head. You move on with life. I found the coolest looking axe I could find. Took it home, and my brother and I, and my brother-in-law and I, went out in the woods and we spray painted these trees like, like a path way back into the woods. And, and we found this tree that was sort of the right size, and we painted it all red. And early in the morning of his birthday, I took him out and I gave him the axe, and his eyes got huge. Like this is awesome. I said, "Son, it's not yours yet. You have to accomplish something. See what it means to be a man. You're 13 now. So you got to actually do something." 
So I sort of gave him a little bit of a, of a clue of what to do, and he started following these red trees and got back to this big tree out in the middle of the woods, saw it all painted red. He said, Dad, am I supposed to chop that down? I said, yep. And snaps the cover from this sick-looking axe, and he starts swinging at this tree. In fact, I want you to see what it looked like that day. Here's my son just going to town on this tree. Check it out. As you can see, that was going to take a while, and it did. <laughs> but here, here's, here's what we did. As he's chopping, I said, Luke, is it hard? He said, yeah. But he's swinging. He saw as hard as he can swing, and that axe head's hitting all over the tree. And I'm saying, son, son, let, let me teach you a life lesson. Half swings in the same spot are better than full swings in different spots. Listen, men. Listen, 20-somethings. It's better to make one decision and chase it a long time than change your mind every day. I'm teaching my son what it means to be a man. Second, I said, son, you're getting tired. Yeah, my, arm, my arms are tired. My hands are tired. Finally, that last swing, and it fell. He went nuts. I said, how good does that feel? He said, great. I said, listen, son, people of character, don't quit till the job's done. Don't waste your time doing things that don't require you to finish the job. Put your time into places that matter. And third, I said, son, when you were swinging at your tree, did you notice any of the other trees in the forest? I said, no. I said, son, don't waste your time looking at all the other trees when God put this one in front of you and said, knock this one down. Don't waste your time looking at what God's put in front of everybody else. You look at what God's put in front of you and say, I don't stop till it's done. Why? I'm trying to prepare my son to make the most of every opportunity, and God's doing the same thing with you and with me. So let's go back to where we started. I want to unpack this for us. Let's go back to the very beginning where we started in the passage. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. How do you make the most of every opportunity? Listen, in this season, there are very few things we feel like we can control. I can't control who wins the election. I can't control what happens with COVID, but I can control where I put my time. Let me say it this way. Don't just count your time. Make your time count. See, hourglasses measure time. It's just counting the time. But here's what I think God would invite us to, to pour our time into things that actually matter, to make the most of our time, to make our time count. And there are four things that all of us are always working on. Now, it's more than this, but you can always almost distill everything back into one of these categories. The first is our relationship with God. The first thing we're always working on. Second, we're always working on our character. God, I want to I live more like you do. Third, we're always working on relationships around us, our spouse, our marriage, our kids. And lastly, we're always sort of working on a career, trying to do something of gainful employment in our life. And I think what God would invite us to is saying, listen, let me teach you how to make the most of every opportunity. And if every day God gives you a a pitcher full of sand. If this is 24 hours, if this is the gift of a day, God gives you this as a gift. You woke up. Congratulations. But you get to decide where and how you spend it. So let's just walk through these. The first one is my relationship with God. Here's what it says in the book of Matthew. But seek first. Seek what? But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. In other words, if you seek him first, 
You don't worry about tomorrow because everything else will be given as well. You seek him first. The first thing I do in a day is I go pursue God. I go pour my time into my relationship with God. See, this is where I wrestle down my identity. God, I'm your son first. This is, this is where I wrestle down my relationship with God because the time I spend with him influences how I spend time the rest of the day. I realize my identity is in being a son of God, and therefore my identity is not in what I do or what I accomplish, which means I don't spend my day pouring my time out trying to get the approval of other people, I already have the approval of my heavenly father. I don't, I don't have to waste my time. How much time do we waste looking for the approval of, of other people when God's like, if you would just seek me first? See, what I do in this time every day is I, I go back and I, I re-up my identity. God, I am with you, and I re-up my purpose. See, when I know who I am in Christ, I have a divine purpose. See, my relationship with God is where I find my sustenance, and it changes the way I spend time the rest of the day. Let me, let me, let me just pause. Let me talk to teens and 20-somethings for a second. See, in, in your season of life, this world tells you to spend your time chasing wild oats. Just pursue your wild oats. Go nuts. Party. You only live once. Man, you're 18. Once you get married and get a real job, you can't party like this anymore. And God's going, Really? Let me caution you, don't leave the season of your teens and 20s until you have your identity sealed in Christ and you understand who you are in relationship to your Heavenly Father so that you can live out a purpose. You see, listen, when you're in your 20s, you have to realize life is bigger than just your little hourglass and your identity is found outside of your hourglass in Christ so that it informs how you live in purpose and with purpose inside your hourglass. And maybe you're 40 going, man, I needed that too. Maybe. But don't leave your 20s without wrestling that down. Second, we pour our time into our character. Here's what Scripture says. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. The fruit of the Spirit is what our life is supposed to look like when we've said yes to Jesus. Like, Yes, I'm saved by the blood of Jesus, and now the Holy Spirit took up residence in my life, and therefore, I should look like someone who has love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. I should look like that, and so I spend time, I pour time into my character. I hold my life up against the fruit of the Spirit. Man, do I, do I show restraint and self-control? Do I live out love, joy, peace? God, where are the proclivities that I'm bent towards sin? Where, where are the appetites that I have, God, that are not pleasing to you? Where, where don't I look like you, God? I, I pour time into building godly character. Because, I mean, let me speak to you if you're in your 30s. In your 30s, here's what tends to happen. You start to get a little bit of success. And the temptation is that you stop pouring your time into building character becoming a man or woman of God, and you realize, I can just cheat a little bit and get ahead. I can just tell a little bit of lie. I can go suck up over here. I can go badmouth that guy over there. I can figure out how to just cheat a little bit of character in this season to get ahead, and God's going, no, 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 no. Listen, if you pour your time into that, you will regret it in your 40s, 50s, and 60s. You'll wake up in your 40s and not be able to look yourself in the mirror. Say, listen, pour your time into your relationship with God, into your character. 
Next, you pour your time into relationships. Here's what scripture says. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either one of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them. See, relationships really matter. And listen, you have to pour your time into them. Relationships don't manage themselves. They don't invest in themselves. It matters that I pour time into my kids' lives. It matters that I spend time, not just hanging out with them, but pouring into their life. It matters that I invest in my marriage and my wife and I have an intimate relationship. It matters that I have friends and I have friendships. I have to pour my time into these relationships. Friday night, my wife and I had a date night with some friends. I didn't have time for that. I'm teaching this weekend. What do I do? You make time because relationships matter. If you're in your 40s, let me just, just pause. When you hit your 40s, typically you're in your last run with your kids in the house if you had kids. Typically, like this is your last run. Don't, don't miss investing time in your kids. Even if they're 17, one year left, it's not too late. Don't, invest, don't, don't miss investing and pouring time into your marriage. Because listen, empty nester can be awesome or empty. If you don't have a relationship with your spouse, when your kids leave, I've watched more marriages crumble in the end of the 40s and early 50s because they didn't pour time into the relationship. You will wake up and you will be alone if you don't invest time, pour time into relationships. And then lastly, your career. It matters that you have gainful employment. It matters that you have a trajectory. And here's what scripture says, speaking to how you, you work in your career. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Work at it with all your heart because you're not working for your boss. You're working for God ultimately. So you pour your time into your career. Some of you spend 30, 40, 50, 60 hours a week here. Don't just do your work Get better, master something, read some books, listen to some podcasts, go sit down with people further ahead of you in your career and get good at something. Some of y'all need to listen to the three lessons I taught my 13-year-old. Listen, same spot, over and over, master something. Listen, don't stop till the job's done. Be known as the person that will stay late to get it done. That matters. You're not working for your boss, you work for God. Don't look at everyone else's tree, look, but their job is this, shut your mouth. God gave you your tree. Don't stop, don't stop and get distracted. Don't waste your time there. Pour your time here. And listen, let me talk to those 50s and above. See, career in the 50s, typically this is the pinnacle of what you've worked for. You hit that season and suddenly you realize you're not going to be working for forever. And the world starts to scream at you, build your empire. And the kingdom of God screams, no, 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 leave a legacy. Don't just build your empire and amass success and wealth. Leave a legacy that lives beyond you. Pour back into the next generation. See, I taught C12, our college manager, this week, and I told them this past Thursday, I said, guys, listen, there's a bunch of 50-plus-year-olds that will never show up here, but they invest, they write checks, they serve, they pour out their time and their energy because they believe in the next generation. Listen, don't get in your 50s and start to pour your time in just building your little empire. Leave a legacy. See, God's saying, listen, this is, this is where you pour your time. Make the most of every opportunity. This is where you pour your time. So what do you do with this? This is the extra time you get for the fun stuff. If you're an adult, naps are super underrated. I, I just, 
Someone just, someone just got blessed over there. Naps are awesome. When you're a kid, naps are the worst. When you're an adult, wait a second. I can lay down in the middle of the day on my day off and just take a nap. It's awesome. This is what you spend on Netflix. Someone else is loving Netflix. This is, this is what you spend on playing around to golf. This is what you spend, amen. This is what you spend watching some sports. This is what you spend taking some rest, taking some Sabbath. But listen, the order of this matters. First things have to be first. And Paul acknowledges it in the next verse. Here's what it says in the next verse. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. What's Paul saying? Don't get drunk on wine. Here, why do people get drunk? Not drink, not a beer, not a glass of wine, but why do people get drunk? To escape time. Don't you? Like when you get drunk, you're trying to escape time. Like you're, you're sort of over the time that you're, you're having to spend in this COVID season. And there's people that are, they're not just drinking, they're drinking in this season. Like, you know, people are doing that. Why? Because they want to escape time. And, and what alcohol is, is it's an escape and Paul's saying, listen, make the most of every opportunity. So therefore, don't get drunk on wine. It's the biggest waste of time you have. In fact, if Paul was here, I think Paul might say this. Don't get drunk on alcohol. Yes. Don't get drunk on shopping on Amazon. Don't get drunk on Netflix and social media. Don't get drunk on your hobbies. Don't get drunk on fill-in-the-blank entertainment. Don't get drunk on politics. Some of y'all watch news 24-7, and you are absolutely hammered drunk on politics, pouring your time into it. And you know what God would say? You know what Paul would say? Don't waste your time there. It's too valuable. Let me redo this for you. Some of y'all aren't getting it yet. I'm messy, Bruce. I'm sorry. We're going to have sand just, it's everywhere. You know when you go to the beach, and like that night you find sand in like your, your belly button and other places? Um, and leave that here, leave that there. So here's, here's what Paul's saying. There is truly sand everywhere. All right, here's what Paul's saying. Don't get drunk on fill in the blank. Here's what you do. God gives you another day of time. It's a gift. Congratulations. You're breathing another day. Thank you, God. And here's what you do. You get drunk. Whether it be on alcohol, Netflix, golf. You can get drunk on golf. You play every single week. On your day off on Saturday, and it's the only day your kids are home, yeah, you're getting drunk. Some of y'all are drunk on entertainment. You're staying up till 2 in the morning. Netflix is not fair because they just start the next episode without me giving consent. And next thing you know, it's 3 in the morning. Y'all are laughing because it's convicting. Here's the deal. This is what you do. You pour your life out, and you get drunk, and you pour it out, and then you wake up the next morning, and God goes, all right, it's a fresh day, but you're starting on half a tank. And what, you, what do you have to do? Well, I have to go to work or I'll get fired immediately. So I have to still fill up the work part of my life. All right, I still have to do that. But man, my wife's going to be ticked. My husband's going to be ticked. So I'm going to just pour enough time into my relationships that my wife doesn't leave me. My kids, they don't hate me. And then I'm going to just pour enough time into my character that I, I look good on the outside. And then all I have left here is this, and I'll give God a little bit of maybe an hour a week here or there. And what you discover is this, when you get drunk and you pour your life out here, what you do is you wasted the time and you leave the most important things in your life empty. 
This will teach. Don't miss this. When you pour yourself and waste time in drunkenness of whatever fashion, you will wake up and you will have left the most important things in your life empty. So you'll wake up and you'll have an empty soul. Not the first day. You don't realize it. Remember, time just drips, adds up over time. But you'll wake up and have an empty soul. Then, then what you'll realize is you have a hollow character. Whenever there's a temptation, you grab it because you're not investing in that. And then you'll wake up and realize you have shallow relationships. You and your spouse are just ships passing in the night. You don't have anybody you can call when you have an awesome day or a terrible day because you stopped investing here. You'll wake up and you realize, yeah, I worked really hard, but I'm in the middle of an unfulfilling career. Paul's giving us a warning. Listen, don't waste your time. See, you hear people say, I don't have enough time. Let me challenge that. Here's a thought if you're taking notes. Don't confuse not enough time with wasted time. Don't confuse not enough time with wasted time. You had enough time. You just got drunk on fill in the blank. And before you knew it, half your pitcher's empty. Right? Don't confuse not enough time with wasted time. Let me give you a fresh definition for wasting time, for procrastination. Here's, here's what procrastination, it's the arrogant assumption that God owes you more time to do what he already gave you time to do today. If that didn't punch you in the gut, let me say it again, because it should. Procrastination is the arrogant assumption that God owes me more time to do what he already gave me time to do. God's going, yeah, that's cool. I gave you a full picture yesterday. Where'd it go? And you're like, Poured it out, getting drunk, being dumb. Oh, well, then that's on you. You had the time. See, I don't procrastinate much. I'm, I'm a driven person. That's my wiring. But I procrastinate with projects at my house. I hate honey-do list stuff. Anybody just curious? Wives, close your eyes. Okay, there's a handful of us. I hate it. I have a front porch that needs to be power washed and painted. I have pictures. Someone else has that. So I got pictures my wife asked me to hang. I've got my kid's bathroom, like all the grout needs to be ripped out and redone because it's gross and moldy. Like I got stuff to do and I, I always just push it off. I don't want to do it. I don't know where your stuff is. We all have places we just push off and procrastinate and just assume God will get, I'll, I'll get to it tomorrow. Really? Seems a bit presumptuous, doesn't it? I oftentimes feel a little bit like this guy. Check it out. I have so much work I got to do tonight. But am I going to start right now? No. I'm not going to start anytime soon. And that's because I leave the big jobs up to future me. Now, future me is the same person as present me. But a few hours have gone by. Some time has passed. And I already know what you're thinking. But Griffin, you're still the same person. Isn't future you going to want to procrastinate too? Absolutely. But if I can successfully lie to myself, I can push my inevitable panic attack from this afternoon all the way until the middle of the night when they're supposed to happen. Thanks, future me. <laughs> That's brilliant. That's brilliant. Here's the deal. Future me is not guaranteed. You push off. I'll, listen, I'll spend time with the kids tomorrow. Really? I've done funerals for teenagers, 20-somethings, 30-somethings, 80-somethings, overall. I've done funerals and I'll cross. Tomorrow is not promised. Future me is not promised. That's why Paul's saying, listen, make the most of every opportunity God puts in front of you. No one else gets to spend your time. 
You choose where to spend your time. And listen, where you spend your time reveals your theology. It reveals what you believe to be true of God. The way you live inside the hourglass reveals what you believe to be true outside of the hourglass. What is true of God? See, listen, if you, if, if you don't believe in Jesus, you don't believe in eternity, then I get it. Literally get drunk because that's the best you're going to have for the rest of it. I get that. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're living for something bigger. When your time's done, you're just getting started. And the decisions you make with your time on this side of eternity impact your experience in eternity. And Paul's like, listen, you have to live different. See, don't just count your time. Make your time count. Let me just give you an aside for a second. Yes, we tend to waste time. We pour time out willy-nilly and we go, oh man, I wish I wouldn't have stayed up till two last night. I'm exhausted from my first class today if you're a student or my first meeting today. I get that. We waste time. God doesn't waste time. God doesn't pour sand out willy-nilly. Listen, as you get older, sandboxes of sand, sandboxes of time go from a child's play toy. Sandboxes start to feel like deserts. And what I feel like COVID is, is COVID feels like a desert where we just have chunks of time. That's May. June, it's over by July. Nope, July. It's over by fall. Nope. Oh, it's over by Thanksgiving. Welcome to Thanksgiving week. It's not over yet. And you're sitting here going, I'm stuck in a desert. I can't. It's like my life is in a desert. My marriage, your marriage can feel like it's in a desert. Your, your parenting can feel like it's in a desert. Your financial dreams can feel like they're in a desert. And listen, as long as the desert is not of your own making because you're just pouring out time, getting drunk on fill in the blank, as long as it's not of your making, God is using a desert to form you. God never wastes time. It can feel like a waste when you're just sitting in time and all the plans that you had are sort of spilled out. God never wastes time. God never pours sand out willy-nilly. Your invitation is to continue to pour your time in the right things and trust that God is doing something bigger than you can see. Because the alternative is just to lay in the desert and die and give up. All right, I'm done with this. And what do you do next? You get drunk. <laughs> That's what God's inviting us to. Keep pouring your time. Even though it feels like this could be a desert season of COVID, God is forming something. He did it with Jesus. He did it with his Israelite people. When God takes you to the desert, he's forming something. See, and then Paul wraps the passage. And here's where we're going to close. Here's where Paul wraps the passage. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, Paul didn't realize this, but Paul was preaching the Thanksgiving week message for us. He just didn't know it yet. He said, listen, be filled with the Spirit and sing songs of praise, encourage each other, find gratitude for what God's done. And listen, in the year 2020, we're going to need to be filled with the Spirit to find some of that, aren't we? Because some of y'all are going to be sitting at a table with people that voted different than you. Some of y'all are going to be sitting at a table with people who have different views of where the country should head. Some of y'all are going to be sitting at the table with Patriots fans. <laughs> and there's an exception there. They're, they're out of it. They're excluded. Some of y'all are going to be sitting at the table 
with your crazy uncle that actually is drunk and he's saying stuff and you're like, what am I doing here? What, what, what's Paul saying? God's given you this next week. Hopefully some of y'all get some time off work. Maybe you have extra time this week. And if Paul was standing before us, he, what, what would he say? Where should you pour your time this Thanksgiving? You should pour your time into gratitude for God for all that he's done for you and just keep pouring it out this week. Say, God, thank you for all that you've blessed us with. Just overflow it. When you think you're getting tired of it, do it again. When you think you can't find anything else to be grateful for, find something else. Because listen, you got breath in your lungs. You're living at the best time in all of history to live, even inside of COVID. God's given you another day. Just be full of gratitude and just find places. God, thank you. My family at Thanksgiving, we even do it with the kids, all the way around the table, before you can have your first bite of that food that's just screaming at you in the middle of the table, you got to say something you're grateful for. Find the time this Thanksgiving to be grateful. Don't just eat the turkey. Find the gratitude. See, I, I think Paul would ask, listen, where are the places you're just counting time where you should be making your time count? Where are the places where time's just passing and you're not deciding where to pour it? If I was to ask you, which of these glasses are empty for you? Are there places that you need to start pouring your time into your relationship with God? For you, it might be five minutes a day, might be a huge step. Where are the places where you need to pour your time into finding your identity and purpose in Christ? Where are the places where you've abandoned character stuff? You just say, that's not that important. I don't need to spend the time working to deal with my appetites and my proclivities towards sin. Where are the places where, be honest, you're not pouring into relationships. You're just going through the motions of marriage or parenting. You've got a friend that you've not reached out to in years, and you know, I need to put investment here. You can wake up at 60, have all the money you want, and be lonely. Where are the places where you're, you're not pouring into your career? You've just sort of said, I'm good enough for what I'm doing. And God's going, no, keep pouring in. See, what do you do if you realize the way you're investing and pouring your time is off? You start tomorrow. All right, God. My time's going to the right place starting now. And what a great week to do it. Listen, COVID has got our time and our routines all kinds of off. You get to start a new routine now. And if you could see eternity, it would shape how you spend your time inside the hourglass of now. See, I ask that God would do one of two things. That either God would convict some of us to change how we spend time, or God would encourage us that, listen, you're spending time in the right places. You've just not seen the results yet. Some of y'all are pouring time into a kid, and you're not seeing the payoff you want yet. Maybe God's not going to convict you to do something more. He might just convict you to say, I'm encouraging you. Keep pouring time there. There will be payoffs. So where is God either convicting you to rearrange how you pour time or encouraging you to say, stay in this? So I want to pray for all of us as we, as we close that. And as I pray, maybe there's something that the Holy Spirit would whisper to you. And you might just need to write that down somewhere on your notes or type it, send a text message to yourself or put it in your notes saying, starting tomorrow morning, God, I'm in for investing my time how you would invite me to. So let's pray. So Jesus, here across the campuses, across living rooms and barns, all over this territory, all over this world, God, there are tens of thousands of people listening. And Lord, you've given each of them another day. 
They're still six feet above ground, not underneath the ground. So you give them another day, Lord. I pray that we would not just be people that count our time, but we are people that make our time count. So God, would you, would you raise up a people here that would seek you first, that would wrestle down character with you, God, that would pour into relationships like they matter because they do, and that would be known that we, we pour our time and we don't stop a job till it's done. Would that be the type of people that we are? And God, any place that we're wasting time, I'll say it like Paul did, any place that we're getting drunk on entertainment or alcohol or wastes of time, God, wherever that's happening, would you arrest it? Because you've given us plenty of time to do your will, but not enough time to waste. So we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again for spending time with us today. A special thanks to those of you who generously give through 12 Stone. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about 12 Stone, make sure you follow us on social at 12 Stone Church and check out a location or a watch party near you. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you could subscribe, share it with your friends, hit the share button, or even take a screenshot and throw it in your social stories. And make sure to tag 12 Stone Church. Let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.